The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. NAIR is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand on air. Nai mai haere mai he kōnei pūrangi tēnei, e pāna ki te ao Māori, me te ao hurihuri. A nei a hau a Leone Kapia Hayden, this is a podcast about being Māori in the modern world. Tikanga and the law, transformative or are we gilding the cage? Welcome to NAIR. In December 2020, a wānanga was called to consult with Sir Hirini Mokomid and Sir Pau Temara to consider whether an appeal in the Supreme Court should go ahead after the death of its appellant, Peter Ellis. The reason? To argue that Ellis's mana continues after his death and therefore his appeal to overturn 13 child sex convictions should still be heard. Ta Hirini and Ta Pau were tasked with answering if tikanga Māori should or could inform the case. Those mātanga concluded that ere the restoration of balance, hadn't been reached and that the case should continue. This month, the Supreme Court gave their judgments, uh, two in fact, one quashing the convictions against Alice and one giving the reasons for letting the appeal continue. And the latter was where the issue of tikanga was discussed, over 120-something pages, uh, and Tahirini and Tapo's thoughts were heard. The five Supreme Court justices each gave their individual judgments on how Tikanga has and might influence common law. Now, I will admit I only read the judgment by Justice Joe Williams because of the five judges, uh, he was the only Tangata Māori, and that's not to say I think the others had nothing to contribute, just that I'm not actually smart enough to absorb that much legal speak all in one go. So I just went with what Masua Joe had to say. And it's some really interesting stuff to say about precedent, about the limitations of tikanga in Western law, and of course possible exploitation, which we'll discuss a bit later with our manuhiri. Um, he concluded that judges don't have the mandate or the expertise to develop or authoritatively declare the content of tikanga. But he also said that the evolution of a bi-dural system or a bicultural legal system is both necessary and inevitable. Uh, so if so, you can't help but imagine that the courts will have to lean pretty hard on experts like Tahirini and Tapo and so many of our other mātanga to continue to define what tikanga is on a case-by-case basis. Now, just to explain what common law is and the difference between that and statutory law, 
uh, statutes are laws written by Parliament, so that's things like the Crimes Act, the Privacy Act, our treaty settlements, pretty much anything with the word act after it. Uh, and common law is developed by judges in courts. Uh, it's them interpreting actions and principles where no statute exists yet to say that that thing should or shouldn't be done. So in this case, the Supreme Court accepted as common law that the manna of a person carries on after death, even though it's definitely not written into any statute yet. But it's unique because it wasn't a philosophy developed by judges in our uh, courts. It's a first law of this land of Tikanga Māori. And of course, judges are going to have cases where they have to interpret both common and statutory law, like in, say, criminal cases. And we have seen the effects over the last 200 years of that discretionary power on our people and the justice system. Uh, so it's hard not to worry that this is just another thing for the system to use against us. Uh, in the same way that grim corrections facilities have names like Kōrōwai Manaki. Um, we saw back in 2020 a woman who was given jail time for escaping her COVID-19 isolation. The judge in the case told her that she had breached tikanga, uh, essentially, in my opinion, to shame her because she was a Māori woman. Perhaps that was a form of shame that she would understand in order for her to understand what she'd done wrong. Uh, so there are real concerns around how tikanga may be interpreted by the courts going forward and how we ensure its integrity, if that's even possible. Uh, no matter what is developed, tikanga more likely than not is going to stay subordinate to New Zealand law. So perhaps it's like Matua Moana said in his Matiki Mai report, the only solution is to burn it all down and start again. But to help us understand all of this coming up, we have a bona fide brain box. We have lawyer Kingi Snalga joining us to make sense of it all, uh, if indeed there is any sense to be found. So stay with us. Whakapiri mai, whakatata mai. I am joined as ever by the wonderful uh, the Guru Jews and Mariana Johnson, my co-host. Tēnā kōroa. Kia ora rā, tēnā kōroa. Tēnā koe kare, o tērā tēnā tātou e whakarongo mai. Uh, now this week our uh, kaupapa is tikanga and the law. Um, none of us are experts in this kaupapa, so we're not going to try too hard right now to convince you that we are. <laughs> Um, but I did think it would be helpful in a sort of a layman's type of a way to have a, a quick corridor about um, what tikanga looks like to us, how we use it in our day-to-day lives. Um, I guess so that people who are listening who aren't as familiar with the term or the practice can sort of imagine then how this might fit into a legal framework, which is going to be explained by our manuhiri in just a moment. So what kind of tikanga do we use just in our day-to-day? Yeah. I mean, it's easy because I'm at the Wānanga, so, you know, everything is guided by tikanga. And he whiwa kōhau um, tēnei, you know, I've never, not growing up in Tao Māori, it's like it was, tikanga was not a part of um, my day-to-day. We followed like, we followed Catholic tikanga, you know, you do grace before dinner because koina te um, beliefs of my father. But, um, yeah, yeah, nah, so, and tēnō paikia te, te karakia, like it's something more and more I feel like I gravitate towards. It's like, oh, I feel heavy. You know, I feel taumaha. Mm. I feel pauri. Um, mehi karakia. Um, yeah, tēnō koi i o tātou tipuna. 
Like, oh, like, absolutely. Let's make like to me now the Pākehā world is so chaotic. It's like there's no <laughs> there's no balance. There's no order. There's no rules, man. There's no sense to it, eh? <laughs> Everything in Tau Māori, there's systems for. There's a way to fakato, fakawatia, you know, yeah. tapu noa. Um, but yeah, probably karakia is the main one, and never underestimate as well. You know, kai as a way as a how to kai noa, eh? Kai is such Kai. an important role. Oh, see, now I'm getting nervous already. I'm like, Kai is a tikanga? Mm. <laughs> well, we know that there's tikanga around Kai. Yeah. Of course. How you use it. Yeah. Aye. Well, the generic ones are that a lot of people in this country at least might have heard about, uh, you know, manaki tanga, kaitiaki tanga, whanaunga tanga, all the tangas. All the tangas. But, um, all the tangas. Yeah, I like what you're, you're saying, Miriana. It is a bit of a uh, textbook a reference, and I guess it can be summarised by saying they are, generally, they are behavioural guidelines for te ao Māori, for Māori society, for how we mm. live and interact with others. And that's just keeping it very surface. I think tikanga Aye. is so expansive and uh, intricate and in-depth, it'll be a ridiculous attempt to try and explain what it all is in a 10-minute Pod, exactly. podcast, but I think for people to get an understanding is just, uh, it's a set of guidelines and they are from way, 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 way back in the day and um, they've adapted over time and we ad- update mm. them to keep them alive. Uh, Sir Potemar always talks about um, the culture that doesn't evolve will perish and so we adapt our tikanga to ensure that we are uh, living our best lives, I guess, as Māori. I think people often think that um, tikanga is just something that you practice, whereas um, this Peter Ellis case that's come out where um, the central philosophy, I guess, is that mana carries on after death. So that's at least a practice and more uh, philosophy or a, a worldview. And so I think we get hung up in thinking that tikanga is taking your shoes off outside the mm. fuddy and don't sit on the table and actually... Like you said, Tikuru, these things are, are much can be much deeper, much broader, and of course we all acknowledge that they can change, they can evolve, and they can be very different from rohi te rohi. Yeah, well, those ones taking your shoes off. I mean, that's a very or much more modern example, I guess, Hi. of uh, post-colonial tikanga. Uh, but I think when you break a lot of tikanga down at the source, you can find oh, this one's about mana tangata which is the the case with Peter Ellis. It's about his mm. mana as an individual right. um, and trying to clear his name even though he has passed away. And a lot of tikanga around kai, uh, around manakitanga, they come back to mm. mana tangata, which is derived from manatua, which a lot of um, tikanga you know, are sourced from within our, our holistic uh, philosophy of the cosmos and our place within it as opposed to being at the top of the food chain. So mm. that's our indigenous worldview and tikanga is how we maintain our perspectives in our daily lives and that uh, you can see it reflected in all those practices like not sitting on tables. Like those are the very simple examples. Oh, um, I think a lot of the uh, sort of surviving um, in the household type uh Tikanga that a lot of people still practice every day every day are to do with kai and your your separation of your tapu and your noa. Um like for instance I um keep my tea towels in my 
body towels separate. And for a long time, actually, that is a practice that um, was very normal in pretty much all Māori households. In fact, like the separation of sort of tapawano when it comes to kai to the point where I remember um, some of uh, my mum's generation, they if they you went and got takeaways um, in the car, you put the food in the boot, you didn't carry it on your lap to take it home, you know what I mean? Like just that sort of everyday like thinking about those relationships between Tapu and Noor was used to be very much a more central um, part of of everyday living, and I only actually started separating my towels a few years ago because I didn't never really thought of the connection, except for the fact that washing them together had always made me feel yuck. Yeah, Tika. And then an auntie of mine was like, "Don't forget to separate the towels," and I was like, "Fuck, that's what I've been doing wrong," and I could feel it. I could no. feel how yuck it was. I had this corridor with some of my old flatmates because they kept putting the tea towels and the towels in there together and I didn't know what the tikanga was, but it's just, you know, something you always do. And also I'm just yeah. like, that's super paru, like you huru your tinana with your towel and then you clean your plates with your yeah. tea towels. You're going to mix that all up. Like, yeah. And they just didn't get, they didn't get it, eh? They were like, why? It is paru. <laughs> <laughs> it's paru as. Like put in your hat where your kai goes and all of that kind of stuff. It, uh, it is practical, but it's also to do with, you know, protecting tapu and noa. Yeah, and a lot of tohunga, one old tikanga was their tohunga weren't, they didn't feed themselves. They were fed with uh, sort of chopstick-like uh, yeah. uh, tools. So they didn't touch the food themselves because they were that tapu. Yeah. Uh, tapu and noa are also huge terms that um, I hope our listeners will, if they're interested uh, understand that they need to commit to a really long journey and in, in understanding the depth and, and applications of those terms and all these other terms that we're discussing today as well. But basically, yeah, they are customs. Um, they have come from somewhere. They're not just made up and they govern yeah. how we behave. And different tribes have their, have their own set of principles that have naturally and understandably developed over time um, and become quite regional. And then there are quite... Uh, I mean, there are a lot of commonalities and a lot of areas where we share those values and principles, and that's how we can interact as a Māori society. Yeah. Hi. And a, like I was thinking before, a good example of how tikanga changes, you know, talking about taking your shoes off when you're inside. Um, you know, after the earthquake, after the Christchurch earthquake, Tuahiwi Marae, you actually were allowed to keep your shoes on because it was this health and safety risk. <laughs> you got to run. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's a good example of like, because I think it's so interesting to me how upset, easily upset, um, some non-Māori can be when you start talking about how tikanga can change. They're like, yeah. oh, well, there's, it's hardly a set of laws then, and it's hardly set <laughs> in stone, and it's like, no, like, it make it, you just have to fight a fakado, you know, it makes sense. In that case, that's just practical. That's smart. And that's also an aspect of tikanga, right? It's yes, there's these really um, profound, deeper elements like tapu and nō that I won't even begin to attempt to speak to, because keirunga o tēnā wānanga tonu, tēnā akuranga. But then there are just like things that make sense, you know. If, if there's another massive earthquake, <laughs> you don't want your feet to get cut up. Oh yeah, you need to get out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, all of these concepts, tikanga, tapu, noa, um, are now basically things that are going to have to, at some point, be 
defined in New Zealand courts. We are Māori, we live in Te Ao Māori, and we can't even do it, <laughs> not in any, you know, super clear, concise, top-to-bottom kind of a way. We we are aware that it takes a lifetime to start to understand these concepts. And um, now our legal system hopes to somehow enshrine them in common law. So um, if that didn't already sound uh, complex enough, um, we're going to get really into the nitty-gritty after this with uh, lawyer Kingi Snelger, um, who's going to, you know, give us a bit of insight in how how this is actually going to work, if it's going to work at all. So stay with us. Heia kua nei. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Hoki mai anō, uh, I am joined once more by my co-hosts Mariana and Tukuru and we're very honoured to have with us today as our special manuhiri, Kingi Snauga, nō Ngāpuhi, ngā te whakaue, te whakatōhia, me ngai tahu. Uh, Kingi is a criminal defence lawyer with a Masters from Harvard, hi. Working in Tāmaki, he's a youth advocate, he's worked in First Nations territories in North America and he was a part of Peter Ellis's defence team Tēnā koe e hoa, nau mai, haere mai ki ne. Kia ora, kia ora tātou. Kia ora. Um, now, I'll just say this up front. So we're not really here to discuss um, the details of the case, of the Peter Ellis case, um, but rather the the development of tikanga being accepted in common law in, in Aotearoa um, and what that actually means for us as Māori um, and I suppose I, I say us as Māori because, you know, those involved in in the case uh, were Pākehā and whilst um, I guess what we were talking about was the mana of a person that applies to every single person, um, I guess what I'm interested in is going forward, the more um, tikanga meets common law, it's going to be Māori that will be more affected by these uses of common law. Do you think that's fair to say? Absolutely. It's kind of our culture that's being used by what is predominantly a European judicial system or court system in the common law. And the way that I think about it is it's really the judges are just catching up to what we already know is that tikanga is the first law of this country. It's what people like Dr. Moana Jackson and others have been saying for years and what we know. So it's kind of like the court's just kind of reaching the point that we've already been at. Um, if you go to uh, Marae, what is the law of the Marae? It's not common law statute, it's tikanga, right? Kawa. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a fair that's a fair thing to say. Um, but I think, yeah, like the good thing about the Alice case, and I won't talk about it too much, was that we had a wānanga, so that was a way to protect what, te- what tikanga came before the court and how it was used because I guess a big fear for all of us um, in the Alice team and as Māori is that our culture is going to be misappropriated mm. by largely Pākehā judges or, you know, in like many ways that our our culture could be misused. And that's a that's a good thing, I think, that we are having those kind of checks. So the people like Supo Temara, 
Suhirini Mukumid um, were there and, and the Wananga, and I think that made us feel a bit safer. Yeah, that was a, a pretty hefty Wananga, yeah? Two, two days, was it? Yep, two days. Um, there were, yeah, I can't remember all of the Pukinga, but there were um, a good bunch of about 10, I think, and that, that issue around, yeah, uh, a continuation of a case after the death of a applicant. Um, what would what, what Tikanga say about that? And we just kind of steered the discussion, but it was mainly led by Supo and Suhirini Mukumid. And when people have said to me, oh, how is it that, um, you know, all raise issues with it? Well, I'm like, if you have an issue, you should go talk to Supo Temara if, if, if you dare to. But, you know, like, I think it's healthy to debate it. Um, but that, you know, that's not always going to be the case that we can have those wānanga to ensure that the cultures, our values are protected. And that's kind of the issue, I think, moving forward. When we don't have wānanga, what safeguards do we have in place to ensure our culture isn't misused? And were the mātanga that were at that wānanga, because I believe there were others um, other than just um, ta po and ta hirini ne, mm. um, yep. were they all sort of unanimous that this was a, a correct way forward for our legal system? Yeah, I think there was some fear that was reflected in the statement about the law moving forward, and probably like the Takamori case, mm. um, Supo was involved in that, and I don't think he had a great experience because there was disagreement uh, uh, moving forward about the place of tikanga Māori. So the way that we thought was to protect his mana and the mana of those pukinga was to hold a wānanga that was by agreement by the Crown yeah. and us. You don't always get agreement, so I think you know you have to acknowledge that the Crown and that and the Alice case did the right thing by saying, "Let's hold a wānanga." Yes, we agree with what they say, because like in Takamori, there was a disagreement, and that ultimately meant the judges, where where they're dealing with the dispute, have to weigh up, you know, the two sides of should we go with the British common law interpretation of um, uh, burial rights or tikanga Māori. Can you just explain the Takamori case for our listeners a little bit? Who might not be familiar with that? Yeah, Takamori v Clark. Yeah, it's like can I remember what happened in that case? <laughs> no, uh, more about a uh, cliff notes. Māori man who lived a long time in the South Island with his Pākehā wife and kids, and um, the Fano um, took him home and buried him. And the wife argued that she had rights to uh, exhume him and take him back to Christchurch because that's what he wished. So the clash was around the British common law rights of um, an executor or someone who's charged with the state of a deceased versus te ao Māori and, and you know, tūhoi um, sovereignty, I guess, mm. and how do those two interact? Um, and in that case, I think what ultimately happened was tikanga was um, put to one side and the common law, the British law, um, won, which is, you know, what we don't want. That's not a te tiriti future, that's a... You know where there's those clashes, that ultimately it's the Pākehā law that that mm. tends to win. But it's tricky, eh? Because like, you know, it is a case by case basis at the moment where tikanga has been um, tested in common law or applied to to cases, and um, you know you can't. Well, can you? I mean, what what do you see as the way forward? Do you have a panel like um, with uh, Tapo Timara and? Every time tikanga is raised, that's who you go to, because otherwise it's been left up to the courts, right? And and do they have the expertise to make rulings on it? Probably not. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I come from a, 
I feel like such a law nerd, like the legal realism school of thought, which is that law, um, judges are people that pull on their values and their background when making decisions. They're not like robots that decide the law, you know, law says this, so I apply it. They, you know, they bring their worldview into mm. the decision-making. And besides Sir Joe um, Williams, there's no other Māori uh, on the Supreme Court, and in fact, it was Justice um, Glazebrook who raised the Tikanga issue, and she seems mm. to be the most progressive. So I think we've got a pretty progressive liberal bench at the Supreme Court who I think are really keen to see transformative change in, in the way that they can. But yeah, without Joe there, without Susan Glazebrook, without the Chief Justice, um, you are probably not going to get that outcome that we got. Um, because people bring their worldview into the into the decision making, so yeah, I, I think having the wānang is a great idea. But you know, you're not always going to have Natalie Coates and others um, on every case as well. Like having good lawyers that are, um, you know, onto it, like Natalie and Huriana and Matanuku Mahuika. Um, I think that was another key part of it having having good legal brains. What do you think about should it be? I mean. There are some who would say, you know, the Waitangi Tribunal is our court that's set up to deal with matters of tikanga. Do you think that, that would, that's an appropriate way if um, matters of tikanga are raised in other courts that it go through the Waitangi Tribunal? Could that be a, a way um, to ensure mm. that it's safeguarded? Yeah, in the Alice case, sorry, I feel like a, sorry for those listeners who think, Jesus, is like a law lecture. <laughs> No, it's good. There is a, there was discussion about uh, uh, referring cases to the Māori appellate court. So that very point you're raising of our Māori, think about some of our Māori land court judges. They are super onto it, dealing with tikanga day to day in their job. They should be the the right people. Um, so yeah, I agree. That's definitely something the court should do. But I guess you know um, I don't want to say that judges have ego, but um, they do. I think, and you know, I would like to think that a judge would be willing to give the decision-making over to uh, a Māori land court judge, but maybe they're not. Um, mm. but, but hopefully Alice, what Alice does is our highest court in the land telling the other courts across the country, and there are hundreds of judges you know, from all over the Motu with all kinds of backgrounds that, that, okay, you need to show deference to the people that are on tour in this area and be willing to acknowledge that's not always not always going to be you if you were perhaps a judge that was raised in Christchurch and, um, you know, didn't have really much to do with Te Ao Māori. Do you think, how confident are you that that this will ignite a change? Um, I think you have some new judges that are replacing the old guard that are more alive, I think, to Te Tiriti and the future that we know is going to happen under Māti Mai. But yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm quietly optimistic, but I, I tend to fall on the more critical side of things, and I think that's good. You need those critical thinkers to push us forward. Otherwise, we're just going to end up um, as like a ornament um, in what is otherwise a, a parkier space. Right. An ingredient is how Justice Joe describes it, right? Just an yeah. ingredient in... Um, otherwise common law. What I, if, this is kind of a, um, a woo-woo question, but what do you think uh, Matua Moana would have made of those judgments? Shit. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> um, I, Get in I, his mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I 
treasured Mato Moana's perspectives on mm. so many things. And I know lots of us did. He was like a mentor and um, sounding board for so many, eh? mm. such a treasure and a huge loss. So, yeah, I think he, he would have been critical because it's not a, that's not the matiki my future that he mm. sees, where it's potentially Māori having our own systems not having to go within a mainstream parking system, which is what I saw in, uh, you know, in the states, Native American nations having their own systems. So it's possible. It's not beyond it. You know, it's not like this radical idea that's impossible. I think it's what Matiki Mai says. It's what I think we will probably see in the next twenty to forty years. Uh, is Maori nations, for example, to always as a nation, but you know that maybe that they will go along the pathway of having their own dispute processes their own governance um, entities yeah but that's you know that's that's what I think Moana might say but I wouldn't want to speak <laughs> yeah for that legend how do you think you can do that without pissing off rednecks <laughs> oh yeah well it's just all, 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 all without ghettoizing you know what I mean so it's like no this is your area here where you can have your rule and you can only do it in there like I'm, I'm sort of thinking about reservations in, in First Nations, you know, and how they're kind of co-opted by, well, this is my whakaro. Um To me, it looks like it was co-opted by the US government to be like, oh, we'll just push you over here and also we're going to swap your good bit of land for this crap bit of land. How do you think you can make that work in a way that's not going to further subjugate Māori or any, you know, Indigenous people? Yeah, well, and even like the casino debate, like I've realised why, mm. why they um, turned to casinos because of the fact that there wasn't much else to do on that land that they were given um, mm. I think yeah I think it's not really like the idea of kind of separate nations isn't you know I think there's a way through Tetiriti that you can still maintain the relationship um, with non-Māori but um, yeah it's a delicate debate you know I don't think we don't have territories in the same way that the reservations exist so it would be a different kind of sovereignty it might be like you can voluntarily sign up to agree by the tikanga of the here when you enter into it. So if you enter the Tūhoi Nation, you are agreeing to abide by the kawa and tikanga, and if you make a mistake, then you'll be um, you'll voluntarily um, go under their jurisdiction. But yeah, it's kind of some that's geeky because I wrote about this at um, overseas about um, contract as a way to uh, get people to abide by, yeah, what is otherwise a nation. But, yeah, you don't know. <laughs> that's not geeky. By now. That, I think that's awesome. I'm like, I love the yeah. idea. It's like... An yeah. awesome, yeah, awesome idea, but yeah, would, you, would you sign it, though, Mediana? Would you... Yeah, yeah. Depends who's doing who's doing the standovers, <laughs> yeah. hey? Yeah, if you get, if you get a cousin to do... I'm not anything to get into Te Taitokero. <laughs> who's going to hand out the punishment? That's what I want to know. Yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah. No, that's, that's a great... Yeah. Just thinking creatively, yeah. like we've always been innovative, creative thinkers, and we could do the same. You know, like I guess we know that the crown's not going to give us back our own. Um, you know, oh yeah, you can have self governance. We can barely get co governance. So um, yeah, you know, it's just like okay, what can we creatively do in the system to make our own by Maori for Maori outcomes? Can't yeah, buy. so that's a that's a cool thing. You know, I think a lot of younger lawyers and thinkers are really on that kind of more. Um, active role, I think mm. it's good. Yeah, because lawyers can be very conservative too. Eh? Like like a lot of our, um, you know, a lot of people, which is okay. But yeah. Just, yeah. 
I think, is, I mean, it's understandable, right? Your whole mahi is to like understand the law, follow the law. I can imagine it would be tricky sometimes to step outside of that and you're like, what if this wasn't the law though? Let's expand the facado. Yeah, that's why I think yeah. going overseas is good for us, like as thinkers and um, for lawyers, you know, go go overseas, you realise that we haven't got it all great here in Aotearoa. Sorry, that's a that's a tangent. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested actually in another tangent um, on what it's like um, working as a lawyer, as a Māori lawyer at the moment, like how, how large are our numbers out there in the legal system, mm. on that side of the legal system um, at the moment? Is it, you know, largest cohort ever? I think so. I think I think these, I don't want to say they're Māori lawyers and then they're Māori lawyers, but that's probably true in the sense that some, you know, I don't know. This I think there's a more critical mass at the moment, but maybe it's a difficult time for anyone mm. to make a living. Um, and in the law, it's the same. So I think getting those opportunities to make sure that you're, you know, being exposed to people like Annette Sykes and um, Rotorua or Moana um, and his mahi, and those really kind of critical, transformative thinkers, I think, is what we need more of. Yeah, because you can just become a little bit indoctrinated. If you go work for Tipuni Kokiri or um, sorry Tipuni Kokiri or um, you know the Crown and a, and a um, Crown organisation and just think, yay, we're starting our hui with a karakia and we're finishing with it and that's our partnership in action. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, I come from this and I, like I think I'm privileged in the sense that I've, you know, I don't I don't feel like I need to um, please people or play those games that a lot of younger lawyers and I have to to just survive mm. and get through and I've, I come from a place of privilege in that sense so but I feel obligated I've got to keep pushing can't can't just accept that uh, like I said before uh, po for Kairo outside of a prison is te tiriti in action you know, that's, that's that metaphor of our culture just being ceremonial or, or just token it's just bullshit really hard Total. I remember hearing you talk about how one of our worst youth offender facilities was called Korowai Manaki. Yeah. Which is yeah. just such a beautiful, welcoming name for such a terrible place. Yeah, yeah, just triggering me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's just, and, just weird. And what yeah. struck me when I heard you talk about that was just how those young people going through that system will forever connect those words with something traumatic, not not their actual true meaning, no matter what they know the true meaning of those words to be. Yep. And what what is sort of your youth advocacy looking like at the moment? And um, is this um, foray into tikanga and common law, is that going to help our young ones? Yeah, it's quite removed. Eh? Like when I went to the Supreme Court, I was really like the carrying the bags for Natalie and others for the Alice team. It's a different world. It's like a five-star hotel Flash resort, you know, um, you get your own room and there's coffee and tea and then out in Monaco there's none of, none of those niceties. <laughs> um, so it was a different world, but, yeah, it's pretty removed, eh? You're in the Supreme Court arguing tikanga in a case for a non-Māori versus um, hone in Korowai Manaki just trying to um, get out so he can see his missus or see his whānau. It's, it's, yeah, a different world. But it's I, a flash place, eh? It's... Yeah, incredibly beautiful but intimidating. The Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. it's good. It's good that uh, we are we can enter those spaces though. Like you have your. We need more leading Maori lawyers to take on those cases and to argue them. Um, in the same way, though, we need more Maori in Monaco because there's there's not many um, 
yeah, I think what happens is the good lawyers get taken to the bench pretty quickly and then, you know, you lose a generation of real good thinkers. So, um, What does taken to the bench mean for those of us that aren't familiar? Oh, yeah, 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 taken to the, <laughs> to the what bench? The um, <laughs> judicial <laughs> bench. <laughs> the pipeline's up there? Yeah, the pipeline. To become a judge, usually a lot of, uh, oh, of course. you know, the, the um, lawyers, um, I'm thinking of someone like Ofer Cassidy, who was um, made a judge pretty recently in, in Monaco? Awesome addition, but she was a big loss for for Maori lawyers because you, you you are a little bit isolated when you're a judge. You can't really do things or say things like like for example what I'm doing now. Have you been asked? No, no, no. I think that's a that's a long term thing. You know, I'm kind of on the mahiwaka with my small whanau, Um and like a big goal for me is, like I said, to create opportunities for other Māori to change the face of the law. Say the Mike Smith case is another recent climate change case. Mm. In the um, court there, it was good to see Māori leading the the arguments, and I just want to see that more, normalise it, that we're everywhere. We can be the the leading lawyers in the country. We can do, you know, do it all. Good way. What do you think about some of the, like, like for instance, to me it really... It struck me, but it was kind of a no-do moment where it was like, yeah, the, you know, the argument in the Peter Ellis case that your mana doesn't end because you die mm. and actually arguably it increases, you know. Um, that to me feels, you know, when that was stated, it was like, yeah, of course, like, you know, you can't do anything about your reputation once you're passed. And yet, you know, we get taught in media but defamation, right, that's like, oh, okay, to buy once you're dead, you can't defame them, don't worry. Um, what do you think about that particular aspect or having that as part of law, like, is that something, like, yeah, of course you shouldn't be able to, of course it should matter more if someone's passed away, mm. um, how they're treated or talked about. I think it's a good thing because what we were left with otherwise was that it's all about money. That's what the case is. We're saying that it's, okay, if there's money at stake, then the money thing is determinative of whether the case can continue. So I think it's like, okay, we need the law to reflect New Zealand, not Britain or, or any other country. Um, yeah, so there could be other changes in the future to, say, defamation. Uh, you know, I think you can definitely impinge someone's character after they've died. Um, yeah, that could be another area in the future that, that's looked at. I'm not sure. Yeah. Was that actually ticker for me to, I'm like, oh, I'm getting way out of my uh, realm here. I'm like, mm, defamation, man after death. Eek. don't know. I don't know if that was ticker, but. No, that sounds. So what? That seems yeah. applicable to me. Yeah. I'm one of these journalists who, like, wanted to be a lawyer but, like, was like, oh, it seems really hard, so I became a journalist <laughs> instead and now uh, just geek out about this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, interested in the um, in the incorporation test for um, customary law mm. or whatever. Um, Justice Joe talked in his judgment about how uh, antiquated the test is currently. I assume that it was just sort of cut and paste from Westminster kind of a thing that you can use customary uh, law, or in this case, tikanga Māori, if it meets all of these different requirements uh, of New Zealand law. Um, what are, What is the incorporation test and why does it need to go? Yeah, I think the incorporation test is like that tikanga needs to meet these certain thresholds of kind of relevance or existence for it to continue in a judge's decision. And that, that's just like back to front to me. It's kind of like that antiquated view of Indigenous culture is part of the flora and fauna or is like a system that's not capable of 
continuing for generations because of you know it's not it's, it's a savage kind of system. Mm. So that's kind of like what I view the test as, and I, I personally just disregard that. Um, but I understand why Joe Justice Williams had to engage with it. Um, the, I think the other interesting thing they talked about was tikanga as its own source of law, mm. and the metaphor that um, Natalie and others used was a fariki. So the the weaver is trying to weave the different sources of or the different parts of um, two parts of harakiki together to make a fariki, and that's that's strong enough to withstand, um, you know, being broken. And in order to make it properly, you need to kind of pro- play equal weight or attention to each part, and it's not kind of just becomes one law, but it's different mm. parts or different strands. So that's I think we. Things are going in the sense that we need to recognise the mana of tikanga as a separate strand or source mm. rather than just this idea that can come into the common law and be weighed up alongside European values. Because I think when that weighing happens, it's always the European ideas that win, yeah. which is like, just not, that's not a tiriti approach either. That's how is that tinoranga tiritanga? And that's another thing, you know, post Alice, I was thinking about, oh, well, is this. TTDT in action or what? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying these rhetorical things. Would he, would this be the outcome if he was Māori? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I can't really, yeah, I want to answer that, but, I, you know, like, I don't I don't know. I think there have been many other cases like Peter that, that may not have gone that pathway. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Like, I think the timing and, Climate was right in the sense that it was a huge miscarriage of justice what happened to him, mm. and the court saw this as probably a case that was not easy but was a clear example. So okay, let's let's do this. But in the case of a Maori, there's always going to be racism. There's always going to be um, yeah. So no, I think you're onto it, Tukuru. Like I don't really, I can't really say what would happen. But, uh, you know, I know where you're coming from. I guess we have to wait and see. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I'd hope so because otherwise what's, you know, we we give a lot of our culture and values, so there has to be some two-way balance. Oh, and, like, I mean, it's obvious from just looking at the state of some political parties at the moment, no names, um, that we can't really leave it up to central government, eh, to... To, to guide and lead these conversations. Yeah. That's just me. I'm just <laughs> deeply cynical about it. <laughs> oh, I'm cynical too. Even even the Herald, like, I'm sorry, the Herald, but reading out an article that I read about the Tikanga commentary, was just, it was just a terrible understanding. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, cool, we need, but all of our spaces, we need to reflect today, like in, your, in the media space, everything. At it's every a, level. It's an interesting point that Kingi raises because a lot of the articles that I've sort of skimmed through in preparation for this potty, they don't even really mention it. They don't even so – a lot of them, you can see that the, the writer has gone through, you know, extreme lengths to make sure it's it's not at the top. Mm. Um, radio interviews, written articles, I challenge people to go out and have a look around and see which articles um, actually do justice to this topic in terms of tikanga being the reason why this case – had the outcome that it's mm. had because, and that just reflects the state of our media. So, yeah, that's a great point that you've made there. There's still this huge misunderstanding mm. and, and uh, unwillingness to embrace. Yep, 
yeah, unless it's convenient. That's the, the like the points of convenience. Eh? That mm. whole argument about when when it's convenient for us to invite the Maori into the hui to do the karakia, that's cool. But Aye. oh, if you want to talk about tetiriti or something, no, 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 no. We, we, we we've done our part. So that's kind of like the challenge for all of us and our different spheres of influences to keep pushing those Pakeha who hold the pen or who make the decisions to say actually no, that's not enough. Read Matika Mai and come back um, once you've you know educated yourself. And it's not Aye. my job to educate you. Hi. Mm. Do you ever find for yourself because you know the, the opposite of that is like they'll roll you up for a karakia, um, but then the opposite is that you're also expected to be the expert on everything. So I was like, explain tikanga explain its application. Is that something that you you mentioned earlier about how you're like, nope, defer to, you know, po tapo temara in, in this case. But yeah, is that something you face when you are trying to to bring tao Māori into your practice and, and it applies to your mahi? And how do you balance that? Not, you know, trying to be like, I'm not the expert, but also, yeah, I want to include this. Yeah, it's a hard thing. I think for all of us, eh, like in our areas, um, yeah, I, it's kind of like a, find balance for me because I get opportunities because people might say, you know something about this, but I'm yeah, definitely not an expert. So I'm always willing to work in a team, to be collaborative, to defer to experts, to um, hand the rako to someone else. I think that's just a good approach. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you've got to be careful because every org organisation wants their treaty compliance stamp. Eh? So they might say to me, Hi. Kingy, can you write an opinion to give us the stamp of approval that we are treaty compliant. And sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I'll take your money, um, but that doesn't mean you're treaty compliant. <laughs> yeah, so it's just the balance. Eh? It's 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 difficult. And I think we just yeah, need to keep each other in check too that no one goes out there and starts saying, oh, yeah, here's your stamp. You're all good. Yeah, because there's bound to be a bit of that going on. For sure. Yeah, yeah it's, a, <laughs> it's a big industry. Yeah, here's the, the treaty lens or the treaty consultancy kind of area. Mm. It's a different world to the marae. Um, given that sort of a, a bidural uh, system seems inevitable, yep. um, what then <clears throat> do, I guess, people working within our legal system and our justice system actually need to be doing to get ready for it? What are they, what are they reading? Who are they talking to? What are they watching? I guess same goes for the rest of us who are just interested in how this rolls out next year, 10 years, 100 years from now. I think the one of the good things is the law school curriculum has been changed to have tikanga as like a key part of it. So that will generate a whole generation, hopefully, of more competent lawyers. Cool. But, who, yeah, the thing is who's going to teach that all? Like who's who are going to be the teachers? Because mm. we're already, like lots of the tikanga experts are just thinking of Tapo, you can't rely on him to teach every law student. You know, people are already under a lot of pressure um, as it is, so... Yeah, there's that. Um, there's Matika Mai. I think that's like, for me, that's what every high school should read and every teacher should have as part of their curriculum is unpacking that rather than those Land Wars videos. <laughs> I don't know if you watch those, probably not at your kura, but. <laughs> does does um, Sir Po Temara need and, and Sir Hiridi Mokumid and uh, those types of, those e- experts, do they need to create a school where they bring in young, young or experienced Māori lawyers and then these people are then the – they train them up possibly. I don't know. You know I'm not yeah. saying they should do that because they've, obviously they've got their own yeah. commitments. And, and 
I think so. Yeah, you could you could do that. Uh, you know, um, I think I'm just thinking of the different people that I know, like Jacinta Ruru, Natalie Coates, Metiria Today, uh, all these super uh, wahine that are leading this curriculum change. I think it's in safe hands. I'm sure they've thought about that. Yeah, but you could have like a wananga, right, or punis for lawyers. <laughs> Love a wananga. Punis for lawyers. <laughs> punis for lawyers, yo. That <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be wanangas for days on this particular subject. Yeah, or even Matsuke Mai, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's another couple. Can I propose a fun hypothetical? Okay, what we could all we could all say. I actually haven't thought of mine yet, though. But like, so if we if we've got our like tikanga nations, um, what would be a tikanga that if someone was to come into your door here, that you're like, yeah, this is like that's different from the current law. <laughs> hmm. What would be a tikanga that's different from the law? Oh, it doesn't have to be different. Mine would be if you're not if you don't fuck a puppet to that iwi, then you have to give a percentage of your <laughs> kaimoana catch to local Ooh. marae and kai. Mine would actually be all around kai as well. Mm. I want to eat me some kiriru. <laughs> I want to eat all the things that the law says I'm not allowed to eat, but my ancestors said were yum. Yeah, I was thinking about taxation. You know that. that. Oh, yeah, that works too. <laughs> That's a form of tax. Yeah, you pay your, your toll or your tax when you come into the law here. Um, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, rates, you know, rate. we all pay rates. Yeah, koha. Uh, some of that should go back into Māori infrastructure because Aotearoa was once whenua Māori, mm. still is whenua Māori, and yep. uh, we're all rate payers. <clears throat> Doc. <laughs> <laughs> that's an extreme radical view. That's the one that I... Yeah, that's that'll push some uh, push some buttons. Mm. It's good. Those are good things, though. Way eh? to have. I was at a um, hui on Saturday about Matiki my stuff, and that was inspiring and kept me going. You know, beyond the seeing Hone out in Woody Prison this morning and being triggered by that poem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's fresh. Yeah. So you mentioned that poem for Kairo outside the prison and how that affected you. Can you just tell us? What was going through your mind? Yeah, so with kind of visiting prisons are pretty depressing, fucked up places, and um, I was just struck by the presence of a po for kaido outside of a prison gate, which is a big metal barbed wire electric fence structure with this lonely po standing there in solitude kind of outside the fence, as if for me it was a metaphor for where we are at as a country that our culture is ceremonial, our culture is decorative, our culture is on the outside as an ornament rather than part of the workings of that prison. Because when you go through the gates, my experience is there's no tikanga Māori, there's no kawa, there's no te tiriti. It's a place that is uh, completely Western in, in its approach, except it houses all our people. So that, yeah, that really struck me and really pissed me off um, in the same way that the names of prisons like Korowai Manaki is our youth prison in South Auckland. I guess it's quite easy for me to get triggered though. But um, yeah, that, I think that's a real stark example that you could say, well, if you were going around educating Pākehā about te tiriti, I would just show them that photo and be like, this is not what we want for te tiriti. Yeah. We don't want to be the pofukaro outside the prison. We want you to change the prison itself to be te compliant or demolish the prison 
and have a future that that means we don't need prisons here. Kia ora. Oh, and then like there's pr- prisons built on wahi tapu, eh? Like ngafa, that yep. never ceases to break my heart every time. Yeah, yeah. All of them are named. Nearly all have Māori names, and even like in Wanganui, the high security prison is called the Hinaki, which I was just like, what the heck is that about? Like a Hinaki is colloquially called the prison, where you where you know, like you might talk to Fana, oh, where's so and so? Oh, he's in the Hinaki, mm. but to actually name that as the building, I was just like, what the hell? It's a bit on the nose. Yeah. Anyway, but oh wait, so Hinaki, I oh, see so Hinaki is like a colloquial term for prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, were there a lot of tuna there? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a Hinaki, you're stuck in the, in the, in the trap, trap, and you're not going to get out. Oh. But the fact that they call that. The building has the word hinaki on the side of it. This is a corrections prison. Their yeah. security is the hinaki. I was just like, that's too much. I can't handle this. And I hope no. the coma. You know, I hope there was no komato brought in to bless and give that name. Oh, bro. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's grim. That's a different one. Eh? I've never heard about that. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. they took that word that kupu from the community. I don't know. I didn't want to ask. I was too. You know. You know. Part of me is like, I just. It's not my place in the sense. I'm not from Wanganui, but I was just mortified. By that, yep. yeah. But there's, you know, there's so many of those examples. That's not alone. But that was mm. a pretty bad one. Out the gate, yeah. Um, Tēnā koe, Kingi. Thank you so much for joining us today. That was a real fascinating chat. Um, many complex layers. Uh, I don't think any of us claim to be much smarter on the other side of that conversation. But it's really, really helpful to sort of help think through some of the processes that people are going to be facing in our courts that judges are going to have to be grappling with. So, nai rā te mahi kia koe e hoa, nai te mahi nui, um, ke te arahi mātou, i ruku nei te mātou ranga ture, uh, so he mahi nui nui kia koe. Uh, kia kōroa, Mariana Johnson and te kurujus, tēnā kōroa e hoa mai, pia tātā nā kōroa, i a rā, i a wiki, i a marama. Um, ano nei me mahi nunui kia te aihe butler, tomato kai whakahaere, pahorangi, a te kai urungi o nea. Big shout out to te aihe, our producer. Whai mai i tatatau uh, pai āhua. Uh, follow us on Instagram, ne te ao Māori podcast, whakarongo mai. Uh, I runga i Apple podcast, me Spotify. So we'll see you again in two weeks' time. Kia mai tonu mai. Hei a kua nei. Nair is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and brought to you by the Spinoff Podcast Network. It was hosted and researched by Leonie Hayden with Te Kuru Jews and Mariana Johnson. Nair was produced by Te Aihe Butler with senior production from Jane Yee and project management from Mark Kelleher. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.